1: Uh, on a, the the audience we have here is, is mostly individual investors. I mean, you mentioned a couple of companies on this call already. We talked about Netflix. We talked about the cloud companies, the Microsofts, mm-hmm. the Googles, the Amazons. Um, mm-hmm. You mentioned Datadog. Can you are there a couple other companies that you're keeping an eye on in this space that you think play an important role as this ecosystem continues to develop?
0: Certainly. And the next next slide we will discuss the companies involved in this one. And these are the companies mainly involved for in terms of the containerization. And I will go over each individual company with short synopsis because we will not do the deep dive. If you do the deep dive, each company requires one single individual episode.
1: (laughs) (laughs) More future podcasts in the future.
0: (laughs) More future podcasts, yes, correct. But, But certainly we will go over very, very briefly for each company. And I will also mention about what I'm holding and what I'm not holding at the same time. Um, the first one is the is the Google Cloud. Uh, and in terms of the containers, I feel like Google is the leader, uh, no doubt about it. And also Google Cloud and Google communities well, is, is born, I would say natively into the Google. So they have very native integrations and also they have the advanced feature ahead of that. So if you compare the, the Kubernetes version in AWS or Azure, Google will be always ahead. Google Cloud will be always ahead than the AWS because they have the dedicated team who, who contribute into the Kubernetes open source project. And that's the reason they are always ahead. And I feel like Google is the number number one in terms of the container. One of the, one of the main advantage of Google is the um, uh Service Mesh. Service Mesh is they are building Anthos Service Mesh, their product, which basically creates the service layer on top of the communities, which provides the ability to run the application cloud agnostic. Another another, uh, strong trend that I'm seeing is the cloud agnostic. Um, And Google also made a survey uh, recently, and in that survey, the companies run onto the cloud, 92% of the company thinks that they should have the cloud agnostic capability for their application. So you can imagine that, and that is the reason uh, Google is building Anthos. And that is also built on top of the open source project called STO, um, and uh, and it's powerful. And STO is also very reliable, secure, and run your applications in. Amazon AWS versus private cloud versus Google cloud seamlessly and effortlessly. Now, next one is AWS. And by the way, I own, uh, I'm an investor in Google as well. Um, Next one is the AWS. AWS is, is the number one leader into the cloud. And they also have the they have the Docker containers and Kubernetes service and serverless containers offering. And they are the number one into the cloud space with 32% of the market share currently. Um, um and, and they are the The number of services that they are launching every day uh, is, is, is amazing. And the, the service offering is the highest so far into the AWS. And the next one is the Microsoft Azure. And Microsoft Azure is currently at the um, second number with the 19% of the market share into Google Cloud. They also have the kubernetes containers offering uh, um, and, and all the, the, some of the monitoring and, and logging and all those necessity of the offering in their cloud services. Um, um, and this is the, basically the foundation block for the, the next level of the applications. Um, and uh, I own all three of them. I'm an investor in all three of them. I would like to share one small story about the Microsoft and why initially I was not the Microsoft investor because I thought that they are lagging in the containerization and initial version of the Docker, they were not supported into the windows. That's where I thought they are lagging and I never, never believed in that but the Microsoft uh, CEO Satan Adela came on board. He made the really important change that very few people, uh, or I would say very few investors would know. Most of the time developers would know, but very few investors would know is they made their offering in such a way they support the Docker containers into the windows, but they also make their solution like .NET. And those are their, their, their bread and butter they made it open source, first of all. And second of all, they made it in such a way that you can run onto the Linux. Imagine running the .NET into the Linux and they also called the .NET Core. Initial version of the .NET Core came in 2016. Um, and that's where I, I changed my mind and I initiated position in 2017. And since then I keep adding to it. And this is the fundamental change that I never thought that Microsoft would ever do it because they are more of enterprise um, offering and enterprise version. And they are the one who is starting the open source and, and project like, uh, start offering their Windows framework or enter framework as an open source. That would be a huge leap for into the containerization world. Now into the next block. Um, I might, Anand,
1: just to, just to say one more thing about the cloud providers. It, it seems like all of them, you know, we, we typically talk about these kind of like closed ecosystems, right? Like everyone wants, oh, you're locked into a certain vendor, but it doesn't sound like that's necessarily the case, right? I mean, between yes. you saying Microsoft with Azure being open source now and being able to compatible with Linux, and things like that. And then Google, you mentioned Anthos, you know, their ecosystem for the cloud that's playing nice with with others as well. I mean, it sounds like these companies are willing to open up these cloud ecosystems for developers to build in the way that they want them to.
0: Correct, correct, And that is exactly the direction uh, the, the software in the IT industry is going into it. Uh, it's becoming more and more cloud agnostic and the more it, the cloud agnostic and, and developers and engineers friendly, it will be more helpful to the, to the cloud providers for the adoption, because it doesn't matter from from development perspective, it doesn't matter. My application runs into the Google or AWS. Let's say tomorrow, and you have seen there are outages into the Google and even Amazon and even in Microsoft Azure as well. Right. So in those events, it will be easy for developer to switch back to the other cloud provider and run their applications. And lastly, they don't all the tech industry, they don't want to lose the customer to go away from their website or their their prime offerings.
1: Yeah, and their offering is typically based, they're monetized, they're making money off mm-hmm. of, of the computing power and the storage that's within those ecosystems, but they're still recognizing, hey, we still, we, we want this to be cloud agnostic. We recognize customers have multi-cloud strategies.
0: Correct, that is absolutely true. Uh, the next block is a container orchestration. There are two powerful container orchestration tools. One is the Kubernetes and Docker own even have their own container orchestration tool called a Docker Swarm. Um, I personally haven't used Docker Swarm, but I have, I have compared Kubernetes with the Docker Swarm, and Kubernetes has the has the advantage over it. Um, and, um, um, I I love Kubernetes and the adoption of Kubernetes is also going higher. One of the things that Docker Swarm did that I was not happy with is because they did more of enterprise offering for their Docker Swarm going versus open source. And I guess that is probably working out, not working out so far, it's not going into the right direction, I can say that. And uh, I'm seeing more and more adoption of the Kubernetes, which is the open source. Okay Now in terms of when you run a containers, it's important to have the container security as well and your cloud infrastructure security as well. I'm not going more into the cloud infrastructure offering uh, uh, infrastructure security right now because we are focusing on the containers so I will try to focus. The only reason I included the cloud security is because of the Zscaler which is providing the gateways with the IPS, um, IPS means intrusion protection system uh, and data loss prevention system uh, and also the firewall offering and the secure access offering. And that directly connect with the, connect with what um, uh, Kubernetes is, is working on. So that is the reason I included. But all other ones are more focused onto the cloud uh, container security. One of the, the thing is the Prisma cloud, which is owned by Palo Alto Network. Initially, it was a Twistlock. I hope a um, listener may know about it. And the Palo Alto Networks bought Twistlock and they rebranded to the Prisma Cloud and they, they are offering as a Prisma Cloud. That is very important because they do the security vulnerability scan and also do the live defenders, container live defenders, provide the like live defenders, which can scan for the security purpose. Another one is the cloud security, cloud strike. Cloud strike is also helping uh, securing the containers and also the endpoints. This is the game changer. And I also have to say that recently, excuse me, recently they announced the acquisition of Humio, which is panning out really well. They are into the logging and monitoring as well. So what they are trying to do is by what I'm understanding and what from the acquisition and what I have read is their strategies to bringing more observability into the security space. And they are trying to implement the DevSecOps model. DevSecOps means developer security and operation all together. And that is what they are trying to offer in creating a great model. And I'm very, very interested to see how they are pivot this home integration um, and into their uh, current offering. Another one is a Lacework, which is, this is, I guess, the least known company into the container security space. And I'm not saying these are the prime, the, there are other other companies, but these are more, mainly the public company or well-known into the industry. And that's the reason I help covered it. Um, Lacework is very less, but they are also into the container security, provide the scanning and, and live defenders and also um, um, vulnerability management. Uh, for containers. Um, and uh, as uh, we discussed Zscaler, right? Zscaler is uh, is providing, securing the, the API gateways and firewalls and with the IPS. You will mention that if... Uh, this is a very good question. If um, Google Cloud, AWS, they have the firewalls and API gateway, why anyone would use a Zscaler, right? And my argument to that question is that currently Google Cloud doesn't offer the IPS capability into their firewall, which is intrusion prevention system. In some of the regulated industries like healthcare and financial, they need those kind of things. Or if you go for any security certification, not a SOC one or SOC two type. I'm talking about the HEPA and high trust and those kind of certificates. Um, they have the stringent requirement about the. Those functionality and that's where Zscaler you have to use because Zscaler has a cloud native solution for all those things. It's not a on-premises solutions that they are trying to sell as a as a as a cloud. One of the thing is if you um, one of the company come into my mind is a Checkpoint. Checkpoint is more of on-premises solutions. They are trying to sell. They name there as a as a cloud. Put, and try to brand it as a cloud, but they are not as a cloud native. These are the uh, these are the company are cloud native, easy to integrate, easy to easy to adopt, um, and that is the reason they are capturing market share. Out of these two, out of this four company, I'm a share. I'm a investor into the crowd, crowd, crowd strike and Z Ticker symbol is ZS and CRWD.
1: Yeah, Anand, I'd like to double click on that just a bit. You know, it, we we talk about cybersecurity companies a lot and there's always talk of consolidation in this space right how many cybersecurity companies do you really need to work with is the driver of this based on the applications and how regulated that it is and the demands for those specific offerings like ips that you mentioned i mean how many how many how many cybersecurity companies do do you think that an organization needs to have Versus just going with one that continues to expand its offering, whether that be firewalls, whether that be endpoint protection, whatever it might be.
0: So the the ideal answer is you just need a one with who provides all this capability. But that's not the the case because no, there's no one solution to provide these capabilities, right? Some of the things that provide by the Google Firewall, but some of the they are lacking some of the functionality and features and that's where this this uh, firewalls like zscaler and those are the other firewall providers are providing and that's the reason you need those because you wanted to go for those those uh, uh customer base into the very highly regulated environment right and and that's the reason they're more uh, their most of the advantage is the land and expand strategy to expand they have to land it right so they help to explore those market and bring those customers onto the cloud. And, uh, and that is the reason I would say, as long as you have strong firewall API, get identity access management and endpoint, um, your endpoint protection and Live Defender, these are the, the five things that you need to have in your cloud infrastructure for the security. If you find the company who provide all this five, you just need one company. <laughs> Yeah. You don't need them
1: multiple companies. That's amazing. At a conference last week, I'd heard that the average large organization it has now got 70 cybersecurity vendors. And that yes. just seems way too many to keep track of, first of all, that many relationships with your vendors in the first place, but just there's gotta be some consolidation. I see what you're saying. That you can't. It, it's very hard to have one that offers everything, but uh, yes. in, it's such an interesting space. And that's why you see so many acquisitions. You mentioned several of them just now.
0: Correct. 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 That's true. Uh, another one um, when you have the containers you have to push those containers to the production you have to build the pipelines CICD, continuous integration continuous deployment pipelines to build those pipeline one of the open source tools, jenkins which is really highly adopted into the industry um, and and some of the there are some of the companies like jenkins plus and CloudBase, they are Creating the solution on top of the Jenkins and provide as offering, but underlying they are using the Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Another one is the GitLab. GitLab is a still a private company, and they are they are having a nice solution for one end, like CICD, CI/CD, but also the code repository and for security they have model as well. And I'm very excited to see the the progress into the GitLab. If they are coming public, I will keep a very close eye on it. Uh, um, because if um, their offering is, is a good and they are making a significant progress into this uh, space. Um, another one is um, JFrog, which is now a public, they are providing the container registry um, uh, storage, and also they are providing into uh, faster releases and scanning for vulnerabilities like X-ray and those kind of products and offerings into their portfolio. Uh, um, and, and, uh, and uh, I would like to see, JFrog is currently in my watch list. I'm not investor yet, but I'm keeping a close eye on it. If, if I'm seeing a significant move and a market share that they are gaining, I will be happy to uh, invest in them. One of the thing that I'm, I'm keeping eye on their side is the, how they are pivoting the uh, faster release and deployment process tool to their customers, and that's what I'm watching very closely for. And the last section is the observability or container monitoring and alerting. in um, this space is slightly crowded now. A lot of competition is happening. Um, one of the one of the things is uh, data dog. Datadog is providing logging, monitoring solutions, easy to integrate and, and put it in, into the logs and easy to search your logs, easy to build the dashboard out of those logs. You can build the SLO, SLI dashboard and offer as, a, as a, to your customers and things like that. Um, um, another one is a Splunk. Um, you, here is the, someone will ask a question. If you have Datadog, then why you need a Splunk, right? <laughs> And, and, and so here is my here is my answer to that question. Is Little dog has a great uh, uh, product and offering, but there are I say there are some critical functionality that they are lacking into it. And uh, uh, one of the functionality that Little dog is lacking is basically uh, SIEM security information and event management. They are they do not have security SIEM uh, capabilities on their platform. And Splunk is a leader into the same. If you see the Gardner 2020 quadrant, they are the number one into that quadrant. Splunk is number one into that quadrant. And recently I saw that Datadog also acquired Timber Technologies, which is behind the vector. And they are helping into the security logs and audit logs and those kinds of uh, things. So I hope that Datadog integrate their their product into into the Datadog product offerings and bring those capabilities and features and functionality on their platform for their customers. Um, If they bring it in, it will be a successful acquisition, in my opinion, and it can go further because that's then they can land more um, customers. And once they land, they can expand it. So, and these are the the requirement coming from the highly regulated industries like financial industry, healthcare industry and those kinds of industry. So to acquire those customers, they have to have those capabilities. And Splunk, that's where Splunk is differentiating. Splunk is also offering offering the logs and log management and and alerting as well out of it. Um, Third one is a Dynatrace. Dynatrace is offering all the the traces to your containers down to the... um, since user create the request, to the goes to the containers get the response back, the whole entire test that they can make it up. And they are also expanding their capabilities of their platform into the observability. Um, and these are all about monitoring um, the space. Out of these, I only own the data doc. I'm not an investor into the Splunk or Dynatrace yet. Um, and the last one is the page duty. Page duty is the alerting solution where you can easily integrate all those monitors, keep monitoring. If something goes wrong with, it will easily page you, page to the correct team members so that they can jump onto the call, fix the issues immediately. Or if, uh, and one of the thing is the PagerDuty is implementing the DevOps model correctly. And that's the reason I'm, I'm optimist about the PagerDuty uh, solution. Um, Because this is where PagerDuty is becoming uh, uh, helpful is most of the big companies, they have the mock system. Um, uh, uh, One second, Uh, I'm uh, giving you the... uh, um, um, One second.
1: No problem on We can edit this out if you need a minute to. Yeah,
0: uh, uh, it's a basically a network management center. So if anything goes wrong into your network, the knock team—it's—it's—it's it's, it's a physical person who calls to the, the team member, and then team member will escalate, escalate it. Most of the big companies has this knock team. This is a significant investment for the for the big companies. But if they adopt the correct. Uh, DevOps practices, they can leverage the PagerDuty solution. They can cut down that knock um, cost significantly, and that's where the PagerDuty is helping because PagerDuty can alert from anywhere, and they have very tight integrations to all the cloud providers, all the all the monitors, monitoring systems offerings available. And that is the reason I'm I'm super excited about the PagerDuty and how I wanted to see how. their
1: solution and their strategies span out. Yeah, this is quite a list, and this is fantastic. Um, I, I would like to just maybe one, ask one question, I think spans a lot of the companies on this, but it's been on my mind as an investor for quite some time, is the change in the pricing model for these. Like a lot of these are subscription based, but we've seen for several years, it's been based on the number of users, right? You would charge, mm-hmm based on how many seats you had for a license. And then it didn't matter if you used it every single minute of the day, or you used it uh, one time throughout the month, you paid the same amount. But a lot of these are changing to usage-based models, right? I know Splunk, Splunk was kind of one of the first that was doing this based on how much machine data you were indexing, right? But then now all of these alerts, and you know, it's, it's machines doing business with other machines, regardless of, of human beings that are that are playing a part of this. Uh, do you have thoughts on that as an investor on, on how the pricing model for these works? And are, are some of these companies in terms of usage-based, do you think that they're well-positioned?
0: Yes. a Very good question, Simon. And yes, uh, you are right about the Splunk usage-based model. They are the one of the first uh, adopter uh, in that uh, model and they successfully executed it also uh, so far. Um, and some of the companies are very well positioned for usage-based model, but some of the companies are not. Say, for an example, Dynatrace, they are trying to switch from the you, the user-based to the subscription-based, and they it taking a significant time to adopt that model. And I don't think you know, they have they have pivoted um, so far seamlessly. So I'm I'm watching them how they are how they're model is is a changing and how quickly they are able to adopt and change the landscape uh, in a competitive landscape, right? Um, but in terms of the um, containers um, and uh, container security space, they are very well positioned. Some of the things like uh, Zscaler, CrowdStrike, they are very well positioned. Imagine, um, and, and, and this is what, uh, um, uh, interesting is uh, imagine if uh, SAP has to containerize their whole ERP system and secure that, they need a lot of these tools in their uh, house to make that implement correctly. Um, um, well, one of the thing is also, I saw the similar problem into the duty. PagerDuty. duty was also the similar way. They were slow into the migration from user base to the uh, usage based but now I guess they, they are fully um, migrated and I'm hoping next year or two that strategy will pan out correctly and that will that will make more sense for the investors. Um, datadog has a usage base but the problem it's uh, there datadog has the, so a lot of uh, zombie cost, we call it zombie cost because it's easy. We've talked to... about it
1: on Twitter. You and I have chatted about <laughs> <Yes>. this before. <laughs>
0: uh, so it's, a, it's like easy to get in, but let's say if you want to remove it, you cannot easily remove it. And if those kind of solutions that companies is providing, then it will be very difficult for them to, to ex- expand into the landed customers because it will not be well received into the industry. And... Uh, engineers are will figure it out eventually and they will find the better alternative solution if they will keep doing it. So um, not just a, a great integration, great product and services, but also in terms of the offerings, like how easy to adopt, how easy to integrate with other, other systems and how easy to get in and out, both not just in, because in an in industry world, it's not fair if you if you build just a one-way street, easy to adopt but cannot get out of it. And if you want to get out of, you have to pay for it. Yeah, that 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 something will not be well received into the industry, and they will get a lot of backlash if they will keep continue doing it.
1: Yeah, this is this is fantastic, um, Anand. I, I really appreciate your time walking us through what's going on out there with containers. It's such a huge movement. It's so innovative. It has such implications for so many companies and for investors like us. Uh, Thank you. Thank you very much for for spending so much time with us on the 7 Investing Podcast today.
0: Thank you. Thanks a lot, Simon. I'm glad to be here and happy to chat.
1: And thanks for tuning in to this episode of our 7 Investing Podcast. We are here to empower you to invest in your future. We are 7 Investing.